Hello, and welcome to the first episode of The Pocket. This week, we've got introductions, off-topic takes, and our personal NCAA highlights for football. It's Madison, it's Parker, and this is The Pocket. Hello. Hey Oh no. Um, Merry Christmas Eve. If Merry you're listening Christmas to Eve. this the day it comes out, it is Christmas Eve. Yeah, this is like a whole week beforehand, but Santa Claus doesn't have to know. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> All right, well, everybody, welcome. This is the very first ever episode of The Pocket. Uh, so I guess we'll get started with uh, introductions. Ladies first. All right, thank you. So, I'm Madison. I'm a sophomore at Auburn University. I'm majoring in public relations, hoping to do something in the sports world one day. Not 100% sure what, but we're working on it. Um, you know, we want to do this pod just to get my name out there, see where that goes, and then just to have fun. It gives us something to do. So, your turn. Uh, all right, my name is Parker. I'm also a sophomore at Auburn. Uh, I'm currently majoring in political science. Uh, I'm not really sure what I want to do with that yet, but you know, I'll do something. And uh, I just wanted to do this pod uh, kind of for fun. I just like talking about sports, and so I figured, you know, maybe this will be a good way to you know, maybe get my name out there and have some fun with it. Yeah. As you can maybe tell by the title, The Pocket, referring to a quarterback pocket. And the whole idea is that I'm the one who is actually in the pocket, knows what's going on, knows the numbers, the stats, all of that fancy stuff. And Parker would be the one who is outside of the pocket, running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Doesn't really know the stats and the numbers, but he's, he's feeling it. He enjoys it. But the background was blue. You told me it was a jeans pocket. No, <laughs> it is very much not about a jean pocket. Oh, I'm stupid. Okay, well, yeah, but that is true. Uh, I guess my shtick, I like to do as little research as possible. I think I Googled, like, three things last night. Oh, and I watched a highlight reel. That's good. That's always helpful. Who's highlight reel? The Iron Bowl highlight reel. Oh, of Duh. course. Who else's highlight reel would I be watching? The one that you were there to see. Just re- just reliving the glory Yeah, days. but I had to remember a couple people's names. Gotcha, Oops. gotcha. So one part of this podcast that we're going to do at the beginning of every episode are off-topic takes. They're going to be hot takes, but they aren't going to be about sports, just so we can vent a little bit about what we feel. So what's your off-topic take for today, Parker? Oh, boy. I've got a doozy for y'all. All right. Coming in, controversial, episode one. Lay's potato chips, y'all know the ones that come in the big old yellow bags, and then they got like the barbecue ones, the sour cream and onion ones. Don't they have salt and vinegar ones? Mm-hmm. Or I, okay, yeah, so those, those suck. Okay, Lay's they're terrible. Potato, like salt and vinegar ones or Lay's No, 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 no. Okay, so like those four, Oh. they suck because... Okay, well, for starters, we all know that Lay's is the world's worst about filling up half of their bags with air. And their potato chips are, like, the worst culprits at it. You open it up and you've got, like, two potato chips lying in the bottom and you've bought, like, you know, 99% air. You sound like a boomer right now. Shut up. Anyways, can I I talk about my potato chips, please? (laughs) Keep going. Snacking is important to me, okay? Okay. (laughs) I love snacks. And I love chips. You know what I don't love? Lace potato chips. Okay? And then here's the other thing, right? Party dip or like French onion dip. The stuff that you get like next to the sour cream at like Walmart or whatever and get cold and it's like pre-made. This stuff is, so is awesome. It's awesome though, right? Mm-hmm. The best chip to eat with it is like a potato chip. Mm-hmm. Uh, kettle chips are okay, but like just normal ones are the best. Here's the thing. 
Lay's potato chips have absolutely no structural integrity, especially against a very firm, cold dip. You stick your chip in there, it's going to break in half, and then there's going to be splinters all in your dip. Obviously, you want to go with Ruffles. Not the wavy Lay's potato chips, but Ruffles. The superior potato chip. I can think about, like, I don't know, like two different brands of potato chips that are great. Now don't get me wrong, the other like Lay's potato chips that they make, not potato chips, but like just the other brands. Mm -hmm. So like the kettle chips, great. Pretty sure Doritos are Lay's, awesome. Their normal potato chips, awful. Don't go near them, except for maybe the sour cream and onion. If somebody, if you're going to a tailgate, or you're going to, you know, somebody's house, to watch, you know, a big game or whatever, and they have Lay's potato chips, you need to leave immediately. Order yourself some pizza and go buy some better chips. I don't know, like Golden Flake. I don't care. Never. Don't say Golden Flake is better than Lay's. Yeah. <gasps> That's the hot take of all of this, honestly. Oh, come on. You know I'm right. Lay's potato chips are awful. I can't get behind this. Dill pickle chips are some of my favorite. And Ew. Okay, whatever. Why would you put pickles on chips? That's an abomination. It's so, just so nasty. Pickles are the best food. No, they're not. Mm, they're up there for me. Uh, no, they're not, dude. It's just eating a mouthful of vinegar. Cucumbers are, you know, they're pretty all right. You eat them on salads or whatever. Like, why would you do that to a cucumber? What did the cucumber ever do to you that you had to drown it in vinegar <laughs> and make it turn this weird off green color? Cucumbers are already green. Okay, they don't yeah, change Okay, yeah, but then colors. it turns into, it, it goes from like a nice, like crisp looking green to like this gross, weird green. I don't like it. It's like gray. What? You, I don't think you're looking at the right pickles. I mean, I guess not, because pickles kind of suck. Look, you can only have one hot take an episode. You've had, like, three. <laughs> Between the golden flake and the pickles and the lays. Well, you just gave me more stuff to feed off of. I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, people, like, worship pickles. I don't get it, dude. They make, like, pickle pops. And, like, you know, you can get, like, 50-cent pickles at, like, concession stands at, like, high school football games. That's disgusting. I feel attacked right now. Anyways, I'm going to go on with my off-topic take. Uh, so Three in one episode, baby. It was a record. and We haven't even started yet. Great. My off-topic take for today is that ice sucks. I hate ice so much. Like, in my drinks. I mean, if you count ice on the ground, that also sucks because we live in Alabama and we don't deal with that and then we do have to deal with it it's not pretty but i'm specifically talking about ice and drinks it first of all makes your drink way too cold how much ice are you putting in your drink like whenever you go to like a restaurant and they or a fast food place and they give you ice like it's they fill the ice up to the top and that so it makes your drinks too cold first of all if it's in the summer, then the ice melts and it makes your drink all watery, which is always horrible. And then thirdly, most importantly, it takes up room in your cup. So you're getting less drink. They're scamming you out of drink, you know? Mm-hmm. And if I have ice in my drink, I absolutely have to use a straw because whenever I, like, try to drink out of a cup that has ice in it, the ice gets, like, all over my mouth, you know? Does that make sense? I don't know. I just hate ice. I hate people who crunch ice. I hate people who think there's a good type of ice. I just can't get behind that movement. I hate ice, period. Okay, okay. well, that take is fair to me because, you know, I attacked her pickle love. You know, so I, I believe in the good ice. The, the good ice is out there. Old pellet ice. Mm -mm. It's the best it's ice. It's all bad. No, okay, but, like, if you serve your own drinks, you know, like, if you go to, like, a Wendy's or whatever, or, like, what, Zaxby's has them, you know, the, like, Coke freestyle machines, where you, or, you know, just, like, a normal, like, fountain. Yeah, and serve. I more than likely will not put ice in my cup. You, but then your drink's all warm. They're cold. They're, the drinks are already cold in there because they're sitting near the ice that's in the fridge, you know? I mean, I guess. So, like, if you just keep your drinks... It's sitting near the ice. That's why it's cold. <laughs> in the little container thing. In the little vending, <laughs> because whatever. Because it's, 
it's there's no refrigeration in those units. It's I just, just okay. <laughs> that's what it's I'm, sitting next whatever. to the ice. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. And so, I just think that if we just you know kept our drinks in a fridge at all times, then we wouldn't need ice. You're drinking an iced coffee right now, and it's got the good ice in it, and you're telling me you're not going to crunch on that? Mm, well, one, no, because we are sitting near microphones. Two, no, because it's bad for your teeth. And three, no, because I hate that. Mm. Whatever. All right. Well, we're about 15 minutes into this podcast, so we should probably start talking about some real sports. It's time to transition. In the sports. All right. So, uh, you know, we thought this this was just going to be more of an introduction podcast. So really what we wanted to cover is, you know, kind of like, you know, our background on sports. And then our big thing is we're going to be talking about some uh, NCAA favorites as far as football goes for the year. We're just going to give some of our personal highlights. That way we're talking about sports. And you get to know us a little better. And then starting next week, we'll be getting in the hard-hitting stuff. But to start, I figure it's most appropriate for Parker and I to talk about our own personal teams, just to go ahead and get it out of our system, because in general, this is going to be a non-biased podcast as much as possible. However, we are both Auburn, or will be, Auburn graduates one day, Lord willing, and I'm a diehard LSU fan, and that's why I went there, so... It's time for us to just get that all out of our system as much as we possibly can so we don't annoy people. So, yeah. Like I said, went to LSU my freshman year. It was a great year. Got to be in Death Valley, and that's a dream come true of mine. And just, God, I love LSU, you know? I guess. (laughs) I was raised an LSU fan, grew up an LSU fan. I was there back in 2011 when LSU did kind of what they're doing today. And I was there in Bryant-Denny when we beat Alabama then. I was there this year. And I watched them go up to the Natty and ultimately lose. And we're just kind of hoping that doesn't happen this year. But I've been there from that year all through the years of them being mediocre. And honestly, I'm just proud. I'm really sad that I transferred this year, so I didn't get to see it all in person. But... Yeah, you picked a bad year to move colleges, huh? I really did, but I'm just really excited where they're going. Can't wait to watch the, uh, which one are they going to? The Peach Bowl, not the Fiesta Bowl. They went to the Fiesta Bowl last year, the Peach Bowl. She's the one who's supposed to do all of the research. <laughs> and hopefully <clears throat> the Natty, if we're lucky. So, yeah. What do you have to say about Auburn? Oh my god, I love me some Tigers, man. I've grown up an Auburn fan, and, uh, you know, I think my heart is about immune to just about any disease because I've been having the good old Auburn heart attack since I was, you know, 10 at least. I mean, I love my team, though. I mean, you know, we I feel like we're more prone to having off years. Like, you know, I can remember a handful of years where you know we were just sucking it up man but you know i'm i'm a loyal fan i'm gonna stick by my team and this year i was pretty impressed to see how you know how well we were doing uh you know i'm not gonna go ahead and say that i'm number one on the bo nix train right now but you know for a true freshman coming in being quarterback for an sec team i don't think he's doing that bad and i think that you know with the school that he's going to right now that you know within two to three years before he graduates we're going to be looking at you know a great quarterback just in general I mean it's just crazy how much he has accomplished but also you know I guess he was expected to do a little bit better Mm -hmm. since he's going to be the quarterback of Auburn and he was a freshman true freshman and then, you know, I don't know. I think people set the bar a little bit too high for him. But I was super excited about how well we did this year, uh, how close the LSU-Auburn game was. Um, you know, I'm not super mad about that considering LSU is number one team in the country right now. And um, to only lose to them by three points, 
I mean, you know, I could have, I would have loved to have beat Georgia, but uh, that didn't happen. But you know, I, I don't think I'll ever stop loving my good old orange and blue. I totally agree. I think that Auburn is on the up and up. I think that Bo Nix was hyped up way too much at the beginning of this season, and but he's did he did well, and I think that Auburn has a fair shot coming up into the next season now that Chad Morris is there. Obviously, Chad Morris was not a good head coach, but from what I've heard and from what I've read, he's a good offensive coordinator. And so that'll just have to play out and see how well he works with Gus because, you know, him and Gus are, like, best friends, like BFFs. So I assume that that is going to go well. So, I mean, I feel like it's only going to get better for Auburn. I mean, I hope so. I feel like Auburn only does well when Gus's job gets threatened, but, you know, that's another topic for another day. <laughs> so, one thing we're going to talk about is what was the best game you saw this year in person? Ooh. So, <clears throat> this year uh, I was in the Auburn University marching band, great organization, uh, so I got to go to a lot of football games Mm -hmm. and then uh madison and i picked out a couple of games you know where i wasn't playing Mm -hmm. and uh went and saw a couple of games at you know different stadiums we went and saw lsu auburn game in death valley which was an incredible experience and then we also saw the lsu bama game in bright denny another great experience but i gotta say just the one that you know Put the icing on the cake for my football year this year was for sure the Iron Bowl. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Okay, well, you know, I'm trying to be unbiased, but I think anybody who watched that game can agree with me that that game was just absolutely insane. Both teams had some incredible plays throughout the entire thing. I mean, you know, Bama was, like, you know, jumping over people and returning kicks like nobody's business. And, you know, Auburn, you know, came in and did some absolutely wild plays. Uh, of course, Shiver's play where, you know, he knocked that guy's helmet off. It was mm-hmm. probably that the... was insane. I wasn't there because I decided to stay home because, you know, that was the ending of our Thanksgiving break. So I ended up not going to the Iron Bowl. However, of course, I was watching on TV. And I saw that. And as neither an Auburn fan nor an Alabama fan, I was, like, my mouth was dropped open. Like, it was insane. Because he hit that guy. I mean, I feel like if anybody else had, you know, hit somebody with enough force to knock the other player's helmet off, they probably would have stopped dead in their tracks and fallen flat on their butt. But that guy just kept going. It was awesome. And then, I mean, also, the... uh, you know, Sal's catch in the end zone where, you know, he kind of did that uh, LSU copycat with the tippy toes in the end zone, (laughs) reaching up and over. Um, Goodness, man, that was an incredible game. Like, I, I, hands down, that was the best game I've seen all season in person. I love that for you. I'm glad that you got to see that in person. Oh, man, it was, it was something else. I've never seen that kind of energy in Jordan here. The closest that it got was last year we played Texas A&M and we flipped it around like right at the very end. Mm-hmm. So like for I don't know five minutes it was wild, but you know this whole game was just wild. All right, what about you? What was your favorite game you saw this year in person? In person, hands down, the LSU Alabama game. Mm-hmm. Good pick. 100% just from a biased and personal standpoint. However, I think if there was anyone there who wasn't an LSU or an Alabama fan, they would also agree with me. It's, you know, it's deemed the game of the century part two because it was the game of the century in 2011. And I think that's also why it was such a good game for me is because we haven't done good since 2011. And I was there in 2011 a little 12-year-old Madison in Bryant-Denny when LSU won and her mom was like, don't you dare say anything or else we're going to get beat up in the parking lot. So getting able or being able to relive that was 
insane. And just being able to watch this LSU team grow and then just see Joe Burrow absolutely unleash over that Alabama defense is so crazy to me. And when Moss was right near the end zone and he got out of bounds, reestablished himself with literally inches, possibly centimeters. That's the header on my personal Twitter, by the way. His feet. I just, I can't. I, I don't know how, you can't teach that. Like, it's just pure talent. And it's just insane. Also, Donald Trump was there. That's a sore subject, but that was cool. The president. Whatever your opinions are. The president was in the same building as me. So I thought that was pretty neato. I mean, being able to look up and, I don't know, a couple hundred feet away, up in the balcony, you know, there's the big man himself. The big man. That sounds like he's God. (laughs) The big man himself. But, um, you know, I just got to say, the the turnaround from last year's matchup between y'all where, you know, oh, wow. they y'all put up no points. They mm. shut you out in Death Valley and then y'all were able to turn around and have this phenomenal yeah. season. It, it was just incredible to watch. Yeah, I was there for the shutout as well and that was gut-wrenching, let me tell you. But, I don't know, just being there and seeing all these similar stats from 2011 and it literally felt like I was reliving the past. It was insane. So that was just awesome. I loved it. Loved every second of it. Cried at the end, literally. She did cry. I was there for that one. (laughs) It was just so good. Loved that. Other than games we saw in person, I got to watch a lot more games on TV than Parker did because, you know, like he said, he was in the band, so most Saturdays he was practicing and in Jordan Hare and doing all the band things. So we're also going to talk about the best games we watched on TV, but I feel like I have a stronger opinion on mine than Parker does on his because he saw few and far between at this point. Yeah, I know. Of the handful that I saw, I want to say, like, I only saw about, like, three or four full games mm-hmm. on TV. You know, like, you know, I saw, I, I saw the SEC championship, obviously, because Auburn didn't have a game that weekend. But, like, you know, I saw the Auburn-Texas A&M game and, like, you know, the Auburn-Arkansas game. Like, you know, just like, you know, maybe a couple of others. But I didn't really see that many impressive games on TV. All the good games I saw, I saw in person for the most part. Yeah. Uh, one game that I watched on TV that blew my mind was the Utah-Washington game. Utah, the Utes, they're coming in hot. Just... For real. They played Washington. They were... Utah was number nine. Washington wasn't ranked. It was early November. And they played them on Washington's field. So everyone had Utah as the winner. Like, a clear winner is what they thought. But it was close throughout the whole game. And coming in, Washington had the lead, like a touchdown lead, for a whole first quarter. So that was already shocking just to begin with. And it was just going back and forth. There were interceptions, multiple interceptions from both teams. And then with three seconds left before the half, Utah kicks a field goal and makes it a one-point game going into the second half, which is – but they're still trailing by one point, which was – no one thought that was going to happen because Utah was so good. After they get back into the second half, immediately there's an interception from Julian Blackman, which was the eighth of his career. He's tied for the Pac-12 top most interceptions with only four this season, but, you know, that's Pac-12 for you, I guess. Burn. He ended up with, uh, that was his eighth of his career. He ended up getting one more in the season, so he ended with nine in his career because I'm pretty sure he's a senior. And after that interception, a few minutes later, picked up another interception, and that was a pick six, and so it ended up into a touchdown. It was just crazy. It was just crazy. And Utah didn't get its first lead until until the fourth quarter. Right. 
Parker has no idea what I'm talking about. I didn't watch this game. <laughs> but, yeah, Utah didn't get its lead until the fourth quarter. And I just thought that it was a great game for the Pac-12. It's nice to see other conferences come in and have those big games because whenever – you ask someone about big games like that, it's all about the SEC. And I'm all about the SEC, of course. However, I do love it when we see the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or the ACC have games like that that are absolute nail-biters because it's just fun to watch good football. Oh, of course. I mean, you know, everybody talks about, you know, I don't know, the Iron Bowl, the Egg Bowl being pretty memorable games, but it, it's nice to see some other team that, you know, we wouldn't normally think about especially down here in the south where it's all about the SEC, mm-hmm. you know, come in and have just like a really cool game. That's always nice. And, you know, like I was saying earlier, I didn't see a whole lot of football on TV, but I did see the SEC championship. And wow, what a game. I mean, I thought that it was going to be a lot closer than it was, but I mean... Just the raw talent that LSU has. They absolutely blew the Bulldogs out of the water. I mean, just the skill that was being shown by both teams, really, though, it was phenomenal. But I really think that's one of the games that I think just solidified good old Burrow as the the Heisman. He performed great. Um yeah. I think that was the game that solidified LSU into the number one spot. Oh, and I'm finally sure it was. proved that we were over Ohio State, which was as an LSU fan, I, you know, going into it was pretty confident in LSU's team and that they would beat Georgia. However, it was in Atlanta, so it was practically on Georgia's turf. And so you'd think that would make a difference. And that stadium is big and it is loud and they have those train whistles. It's crazy in there. And even then, it was practically a runaway game. It was, I was shocked to see it happen. Oh, I was too. It was crazy. Like I said, I thought it was going to be a way closer game, considering what Georgia was for at the time. Yeah. So, you know, a two and four matchup at the time, I thought, I think everybody expected that to be a closer game, but no, it, it ended up being, you know, Pretty good point difference apart, and, you know, I think LSU did a really good job with that game. Yeah. So, just to continue my train of thought about teams outside of the SEC, we also wanted to mention some teams that we've seen that have grown this season that obviously aren't our own teams. I'm not going to sit here and keep talking about how much I love LSU and how great they're doing. But one team that I saw significantly improve this season was Minnesota. And you can tell they improved the season because College Game Day went to Minnesota. <laughs> That's how you know. Yeah, if College Game Day goes to a game that isn't involving an SEC team, that's you know it's going to be a good game. Which they did a lot of that this year. Just I, I know. guess they were doing it for fun or just because other teams are getting good. And I kind of just hope that's the the case. Yeah, exactly. But Minnesota, they've gone ten and two so far. The Gophers, what a cool mascot. You know? The Gophers? That's so... Are they really the Gophers? Yeah. The Gophers. Minnesota Gophers. Ooh. Red and gold. Gophers are like brown or something. Why are they red and gold? <laughs> well, tigers aren't navy. Yeah, but they're orange. Some tigers are orange. Most tigers are gold. Our tiger. Okay, anyways. <laughs> Back to Minnesota. Like I said, they're 10-2 and two this season, which is... Really big for the Pac-10, or not the Pac-10, that's two conferences together. Pretty big for the Big Ten. You know, they're in the same conference as Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin. Those are the big dogs in their conference. And speaking of Penn State, they upset Penn State big time. Penn State was number four. They upset them on their own turf. That was a crazy game. Could have put that as the best game that I watched as well. Their quarterback has thrown for almost 3,000 passing yards, which is really impressive. It's really good. So I think this team is just insanely motivated. They're hyped up. After their win over Penn State, one of their players crowd surfed 
into the, his locker room. Like that's, it, yeah. that's funny. Like, they're <laughs> pumped up about what they're doing. And they rightfully should be. So, they got a bowl game versus good old Auburn coming up. Oh, yeah. So, I think that's going to be a really good matchup. I think it will be a good matchup. That's a two-loss versus a three-loss team. And I think we're going to get a little bit of the best of, you know, yeah. two different worlds. So, I'm I'm really excited to see this matchup. I don't I really don't know who's going to come out on top on that. One. I don't think that Minnesota's offense is good enough to overcome Auburn's defense. Personally, I don't think that's going to be the case. However, I think it is great for Minnesota to be in a New Year's Day game. Oh, for sure. Playing a huge SEC team and getting to do that you know they went nine straight they went nine and oh and they lost and then they won and then they lost so right now they're coming off of a loss going into this bowl game they want to prove it they want to prove how good they are they want to prove how much they've improved and i just think that they're motivated and ready i don't know if they can pull it out but i think if they can put up points over auburn and if they can keep it a close game that would be a win for minnesota if they can get past Auburn's defense, then they could really give Auburn a run for their money because, you know, Auburn's defense is pretty up there. But, you know, obviously it sounds like their quarterback with the amount of passing yards that he has. If he can if he can pass through, you know, Big Cat or, like, Derek Brown, mm-hmm. we could have a really – we could have a nail-biter here. It's true. So what was the team this season that you saw grow? Um – you know, I was thinking about it, uh, you know, looking at records, you know, catching snippets of games when I could, and uh, I had a hard time picking between the two, but I'm going to say it's kind of a tie between Michigan and Tennessee. Tennessee? Tennessee. Oh, no. I'm telling you, Tennessee's on the up. They're gonna, Within two years, Tennessee is going to be like a four-loss team. <laughs> oh, well, I guess that's good for them. No, okay. I, I, I really do think, because this year, you you got to admit, even though they still lose quite a few games, Tennessee has been putting up points against some pretty significant opponents. They've been putting up more and more of a fight this year than uh, they have, you know, in the past handful of years. And I think that's really impressive. But the other team who I've been pretty impressed with this year is Michigan. Yeah. You know, and I just want to say this. uh, Every year, sports experts, sports fans, you know, ESPN people, doesn't matter. Everybody always says, I see Notre Dame doing great this year. And what happens? Some little team like Michigan comes along and stomps on Notre Dame. And that's what they did this year. I mean, I remember watching part of that game. Mm And I was just like, oh, my God. I thought Notre Dame was, like, supposed to be good or something. That's true. <laughs> and I, I was just impressed. And look, taking a you know a little quick peek at Michigan's records, they completely shut out a team this year. They've only lost to three teams, one of those teams being Ohio State. I believe the other was Penn State. And so we're talking about two really good teams. True. And just – how well they seem to be doing this year and obviously that game you know where they completely destroyed Notre Dame I really think that you know we could see Michigan you know being a a pretty good top contender uh in the next couple years they were a three loss team that's yeah which is pretty impressive I mean you know coming outside of the SEC where we, you know, everybody expects all the teams in the SEC to be, you know, zero loss teams or whatever. I mean, you know, they they were on the warpath this year and I'm really excited to see them, you know, continue being on the warpath. I think it'll be really cool to see either Michigan or Tennessee coming up into, you know, the top 25. Well, you know, Michigan is in the top. I'm stupid. The, Michigan is in the top 25. I would love to see Tennessee come into the top 25. When Tennessee comes into the top 25, I feel like that's when hell's going to freeze over, quite honestly. I don't Unless know. they, I just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in Tennessee. 
I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why nobody's trying to change it. I don't. I couldn't tell. When's the last time Tennessee changed their coach? How long has their coach been there? Oh, goodness. I don't know. I really don't know anything about that. However, I feel like you'd think by now they'd try to change something. And I feel like I would know if they had done that. I'm going to look it up after this and take this part out if I'm wrong. Okay. But, yeah. And then just to wrap it up, what are some key players you've seen this season who have just blown your mind? Okay. Well, you know, I you know we'll tidbit. We got a little list going on right here. So who wants to start this list? Who do you want to talk about first? Uh, let's just start with Derek Brown. Derek Brown. Man, baby, I love watching Derek Brown do his thing. I mean, just the immense power that that guy had on the field. It is crazy to watch. And I know de- defensive players don't get Heisman, but, you know, that was the <laughs> the big Auburn joke this year is, oh, maybe we'll get Derek Brown to win the Heisman sure. or something. Which, I mean, just the stopping power of this man, this guy just, you know, he he's like a brick wall. He can yep. stop anything. And he really is. Being an Auburn student, I also went to a handful of Auburn games this year, and so I got to see Derek Brown in person, and he's just a freaking powerhouse. I know. the Auburn's defense is definitely the shining star of our team this year, and Derek mm-hmm. Brown. Him and Marlon. Marlon, is that how you pronounce his name? Marlon Davidson? Yeah. Marlon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Derek Brown has had 50 tackles this season. That's a lot. Uh, 30 of those were solo tackles. Which is impressive. The other 20 were assisted, but majority of his tackles are solo, which is already impressive, considering Auburn's schedule and who all they've played. And then, aside from just those, he's had four sacks, and one of those sacks was on Joe Burrow. And he's one of the few people who got to touch Joe Burrow this season. I know. Joe Burrow was essentially untouchable this season. I mean, you know, I feel like he was pretty well protected this season. I mean, I, I don't feel like I saw him get tackled too, too many times in the games that I got to see. Yeah. But, I mean, to say that you sacked the Heisman winner. That's That's something. Cool. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, this guy, he is going to be a prized possession on wherever he ends up after That's he graduates. True. And then aside from, you know, his athletic achievements, you know he's a dad? I didn't know that. He has the cutest little boy I have ever seen. Oh, no, I didn't he, know. He, I ended up watching some videos last night of his son and what, like, his son means to him and everything. And they took, like, newborn photos with, like, him sitting in Derek's helmet. <laughs> And, like, Gus was talking about how he was so happy that Derek is playing football and raising this kid and going to school and, like, doing the most. And during this season, during Tiger Walk, he carried his son. I think his son's – he's a toddler now. He's probably about two, I think. He was carrying his son through Tiger Walk, and he had on his little, you know, noise-canceling headphones. And it's just – That's so precious. I think it's the sweetest thing ever when players – I think it's the sweetest thing ever whenever players can integrate their children into their sport. Not in a bad way, but in a... Derek is truly proud that he has a son. And that he shows him off to the Auburn community. And that Auburn community, and from what I understand, Coach Gus Malzahn, they love that little kid. And Coach Gus Malzahn said that he's already recruiting that baby. (laughs) Because they said he's going to be a big old boy just like his daddy. Oh, I'm sure he is. And then on top of that, you know... He's graduating. I know. He's he's a senior. He's made it this far. Like, you know, this kid, what he's done on and off the field, as a dad, as a student, you know, and as, you know, the shining star of Auburn's defense, it, it's just been great to watch him play this year. And, you know, I'm definitely going to be sad that, you know, you won't have him next year. But he did confirm that he's coming back for the bowl game. So I'll get to watch him. Do his thing one more time wearing orange and blue. I doubt he plays the whole game. Probably not, but... It'll be good to see him round out a season. Great way to end it, I think. I agree. And then, just continuing on. Neither of us can say that we're big Alabama people. Nope. But, Jerry Judy. 
I just, what a guy, you know? Mm. Alabama's wide receiver, he's had nine touchdowns this season, nine touchdowns this season. He's known for breaking tackles, getting those touchdowns. I just think with all of the quarterback drama and issues that Alabama's had this season, Judy has been a huge asset for them. Oh, for sure. And I think that he's really great. He's predicted to go to the Redskins right now. And when the draft comes out, and that means that he'll be working alongside famous OSU running back guys, my favorite. Good old Darius. So, I just, he's ran for almost a thousand yards, which, you know, that's not really the wide receiver's job. His job's to catch, but you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. He's done great. I truly think that he's been the star of. Alabama season so far because two has been injured and out and you know Mac Jones ooh. yikes <laughs> <laughs> oh but you know so we gotta give credit where credit is due obviously Bama being one of the top dogs that they are oh yeah they've been able to get some really good recruits and you know Alabama is churning out some big names they're able to get these players in and turn them into absolute powerhouses. That's true. It is crazy to watch, you know, how good some of these Bama players are. And, you know, I really think that Judy is a uh, really good example of, you know, Bama just taking something good and making it, you know, a powerhouse. Talking about Alabama taking something good and making it a powerhouse, Mr. Jalen Hurts. Oh, man. Uh, Wow. I personally am a huge fan of Jalen Hurts. I am too. Um, you know, like we were saying, neither of us are the biggest Bama fans, <laughs> but I gotta say, even when he was with Alabama, Jalen Hurts was an absolute force to I be reckoned agree. with. And you know what? I think that it was great that he you know, went and transferred. Because, you know, he may not have been quite the shoe-in for the Heisman like Joe was. Joe turned out to be at, you know, the end of the season. But you know what? He I don't think he would have gotten the chance Mm-mm. to stand up there with the other three excellent players that they had picked out this year uh, uh, to be Heisman candidates along with him if he had stayed at Bama. Because you know what? He would have just been put back on the sideline to would have just kept doing his thing and he wouldn't have had that time to shine he wouldn't have had you know all that play time that he really needed and you know he wouldn't have been a candidate I don't think this year if he hadn't transferred yeah I completely agree with that going into the season not knowing where Joe Burrow was gonna end up how he was going to be the season I wanted Jalen Hurts to be the Heisman coming out of the gate that was my wish um I just thought it was going to make like a good redemption story oh yeah he's had 80 touchdowns in his career it's a lot 32 of those were from this season which is almost half he's thrown for almost 4,000 yards this season this season crazy it's just the stats that he had at Alabama versus the stats he has here. It's such a difference. He's gone up so much. And I am just so happy for him. I'm happy that he found a place that's going to watch him perform, that is happy to watch him perform, where he doesn't have to worry about his competition mm-hmm. within his own team. I think that is that can be toxic for players, and I'm glad that he got out of that. And just the fact that he had the guts – to say, I deserve more than just getting a national championship when I didn't do anything. I deserve to actually play and try my own work ethic on a team and not have to sit backseat to someone and deal with that for one whole season before he inevitably would have just burnt out. Okay. Just the guts that he, the fact that he had the guts to do that. Says a lot to his character. The fact that he had the guts to try to fill Kyler Murray's shoes. That's true. Last year's 
Heisman. Heisman from Oklahoma. Yep. And I feel like he was a pretty welcome addition, and I think he filled the show. He filled the shoes pretty well. The fact that he was even a Heisman you know, can, candidate right after Oklahoma was given a Heisman to uh, Kyler is just incredible. And right, the Heisman before Kyler was Baker Mayfield, also from Oklahoma. How funny would that have been if Oklahoma had three Heismans in a row? All quarterbacks. All quarterbacks. Well, does anybody win the Heisman besides quarterbacks? I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, sometimes. Just sometimes. Jalen Hurts is just, he's out there. He's doing the most. I think that he's a great player. It's been on the team, and I guess not really open up because they have produced two Heisman winners, but just continue that Oklahoma team. Oh, yeah. And as an LSU fan, going into the Peach Bowl, if we end up losing to Jalen Hurts, that's my that's my best worst-case scenario. If Oof. we can't win, I want to lose to Jalen Hurts, and I'll pull for Jalen Hurts the rest of the way. Yeah, I think I will too because, I mean, he's just incredible. And then third J name on our little list here, <laughs> we've got Joe Burrow himself. Joey Burrow. Wow. Just the way that he's turned around, especially from last year, because I think you can agree with me that Joe was just kind of mediocre last year. I'd say less than mediocre for being for the SEC at least. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know what happened. He woke up. I guess Joe Brady came in and turned that switch in his brain, and all of a sudden we've got a Heisman winner by the biggest margin since O.J. Simpson. And fun fact about that, so Joe Burrow won the Heisman vote by about 90%, you know? That is including the Heisman voters who didn't vote at all. If you take the percentages strictly from the people who turned in their ballots, he was a 99% favorite. Out of the people who did not, out of the people who did turn in their ballots, Six of them did not vote for Joe Burrow. And there's like 800 of them. That's insane. So that 90% is taken into account the 40 or 50 people who didn't turn in their ballots. And that just speaks so highly of him. I have so many good things to say about Joe Burrow. I don't think anybody has really any bad things to say about Joe Burrow's playing ability. He's just phenomenal to watch on the field. And he's got a great butt. Oh, that... No comment. (laughs) You do have to give credit to Joe Brady coming in, lighting up that offense. And you have to give credit to Coach O for allowing Joe Brady to completely take over offense. From what I understand, Coach O had pretty much nothing to do with it other than Joe Brady being like, what do you think of this, and him agreeing. But Coach O let the reins go. He let Joe Brady do what Joe Brady does best. And that's being an offensive coordinator, baby. <laughs> and coordinator. Joe Burrow threw for almost 5,000 passing yards. He had 342 completions. Back in 2017, when he was at OSU, you know how many completions he had? Tell me. Seven. Seven? Seven. That's unimpressive. He is 77% for his come for his passing completions. He's had 48 touchdowns. It's just he's I speechless. Completely speechless mm-hmm. at this young man. Yeah, no. I I think we really covered it on him. I mean, he, he's just phenomenal. It's just great to watch Heisman him. winner. He broke pretty much every offensive SEC record that there is to break. And he did some of them very early into the season, and he kept breaking his own record. Oh, for sure. So he, he's, he's probably going to go number one in the draft. I guess it'll it'll end up depending on who's the number one picker. But, you know, we'll see. That's normally how it happens. And do you know who else I think should be high up in the draft? Who? Hot Rod, baby. Oh, Good word. old Blake and Ship. Oh, my goodness. I, as an Auburn fan, I'm not the biggest Georgia fan, but I've got to give credit where credit is due. Georgia's ha- Georgia has some great players this year, and one of them, good old Hot Rod. Hot Rod. If 
anyone's confused on Hot Rod, we're talking about their place kicker, Blankenship. Rodrigo Blankenship. You might know him as Goggles due to his little... Or you might know him as Hot Rod. Hot Rod. Hot Rod, Goggles, Blankenship. The guy takes on many names. He's great. He's arguably the best place kicker in college football. Arguably. Actually, he's really not arguably because he won the Groza. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. The Groza Award, which is given to the best place kicker in the nation. So, not really arguably. Guess he is, officially. Mm-hmm. He, uh, just the work that he's done this season, he is 100% on extra points. I know. Hasn't missed. And that's not just the season. That's in his career at Georgia. He came in as a freshman, and he has made every extra point kick he has ever kicked for yes. Georgia. I know. He's... I only know that because the TV likes to remind us every time he comes on the field. But I will say, you know, th- he's kicked phenomenally this season, and he's only missed, I think, two kicks? I think that's correct. Only missed two kicks this season. He's, I know that he's 80% on his field goals. Yes. For uh, this season. Which, ironically, were, you know... Missed field goals for games, the two games that George has lost. But other than that, I mean, you know, I I was at the Auburn Georgia game and I I really liked watching that guy kick. Yeah. Because kind of reminded me as a good old Auburn fan of Carlson number one, <laughs> who was able to knock it out of the park every time. Unless you're playing Ole Miss. But, uh, I mean, this guy, you know, if you looked up at the video board, because where I sit, it's kind of like a weird angle to, like, see the field goal. So you have to look up at the board yeah. or whatever to uh, see if it goes in or not. But, you know, if they, or if they show a replay of it or whatever, it goes right down the middle. Mm-hmm. That guy, he is spot on. I'm telling you, they got something in those glasses, man. Like, he, he knows exactly where he's kicking. Yeah, his longest kick this, or furthest kick, I guess, is the correct terminology. This season was a 50-yard field goal. Which is impressive. The longest he's ever kicked in a game was 55. Still so, impressive. Yeah, obviously. He's got a leg on him. He's so good. I hope he goes somewhere that uses him. Me too. He's great. Well, I feel like all NFL kickers are good. Like, I feel like it's very rare that NFL kickers miss. Could that could that might be a false fact? Don't quote me on that. Still though, I I see him going somewhere good. For sure. All right. Well, you know that just about wraps up everything. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, we will be releasing one episode a week. And uh, like I said, thank you all so much for tuning in. And we will see y'all next time. Bye. On the pocket. (laughs)